today on Commitment to Truth. Saved at five, baptized at eight, rededicated my life at 12. Everything was growing great. At 17, God called me to be a pastor and I went, and I was gone. And I spent 15 years of my life gone. And after failed marriages and rehabs and all the rest of the fun stuff, I finally said, you know what? I gotta give him everything. I have to completely and totally surrender my life to Christ because slowly but surely, he changed my heart. Welcome to Commitment to Truth, the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Each week, Pastor Cedric Brown and the pastoral team at Commitment Church strive to draw you into a deeper relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Ken Jones, teaching pastor at Commitment Church, with today's message. We're going to talk about Abel today. Uh, so in order to learn our purpose, I always forget to do this. The purpose is to learn from biblical heroes of the past and encourage the church, which is us, to become today's heroes of faith. And it all comes from Hebrews chapter 11, which is a popular portion of scripture that shows all, they call it, they call it the Heroes of Faith Hall of Fame uh, in Hebrews chapter 11. And we're going to work our way through Hebrews chapter 11 over the next couple of months. Uh, Pastor, love the way his mind works sometimes. Uh, he's gonna have all of us, uh, my son, and Pastor Jose, as well as Pastor Cedric himself to work through this. So you're gonna get a chance to hear all kinds of people, uh, faithful people, I hope, that will, that will bring to you the Word of God. Uh, so let's start with Hebrews chapter 11, verse four. Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse four, which is the one we'll be talking about today, which says, by faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So, three points I want to make. First, Abel's offering revealed his faith. Now, in order to show that, I need to go back to Genesis, to where it all began. Because I need to show you the, the difference between Cain and Abel and what actually happened at that particular time in history. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now remember, this is right after the fall. Okay, and Adam and Eve are now out of the garden and moving on. It says, now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with the help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. So, Cain's name means gotten one. So, obviously, the first one. Love the way Old Testament names mean something. Uh, and Abel means breath. Not really sure what that means, but maybe we'll find out as we go on. And we obviously see Cain was a farmer, and Abel was a shepherd. Genesis chapter 4, please, verses 3 to 5, says, So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. And Abel, on his part, also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and for his offering, but for Cain and for his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. So here's the offerings, the two brothers. So Cain brings his corn and 
all that stuff I hate. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, but all that stuff from the ground, whatever he worked in, in his farm, and Abel brought his sheep. God accepted Abel's and not Cain's. Why? We have had this discussion so many times in Sunday school classes that I have been in over the course of my life. And so many people sit there and say, wait a minute, why wasn't Cain's offering accepted? This is before the law of Moses. This is before Leviticus was written. So how would they know what the process was for appropriate sacrifices that, like they were done in the temple? There wasn't a the temple then. Matter of fact, I, I think there was only four people. Adam and Eve, Abel and Cain. It didn't rain. This is before the flood, so it's not even raining out, so they could do all the stuff outside. So, so why was Cain's offering not accepted? I would like to suggest to you, if you think about reading between the lines, okay, because scripture is very unclear on this point. But let's read between the lines for a minute. First of all, Genesis 3.21. This is at the fall. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And ladies and gentlemen, that's the first blood sacrifice that was made for sin. The sacrifice was made by Jesus, by God, to put clothes on Adam and Eve to cover their sin. So therefore, as time moved on, we see here in Genesis chapter 4, Cain and Abel are bringing offerings. Well, how do they know to bring an offering? Who told them? They just kind of hanging out one day and say, hey, I got an idea. Let's go bring God an offering. Go kill a sheep. And now, this was something that God had to have told them about. I'm sure that when he killed that animal and put those skins on Adam and Eve, he made sure that he, they understood what happened. That because of their sin, the first blood needed to be shed. Adam and Eve had to be well aware of what they did. Because Adam and Eve used to walk in the garden with God. And now they don't anymore. They're not even in the garden. So they had to be well aware of what needed to happen. And I'm sure that got passed on to their kids that, hey, we're going to make offerings to God. Now, whether that was explained about blood or not, we don't know. Scripture isn't clear. But if God came down to Abel and Cain and told them whose sacrifice is accepted and whose isn't, somebody had to know. Or maybe that was the point of learning. Genesis 4, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must master it. So I think if, if Cain missed the mark, now he knows. But what was Cain's response? He's made a God. I did all this work. I, I mean, God already cursed the ground. <laughs> so he's already fighting with the ground as it is. And I did all this work and I brought you this stuff. And what, you don't like it? Pride. Cain's pride got in the way. Sin begets sin begets sin. Because Cain keeps right on going. He eventually denies God and God's authority. 
and who God should have been in his life. God gave him an opportunity to repent, and it didn't happen. And Cain ended up being cursed because of his own pride. So if there was any question about blood sacrifice and offering being made to God, the question was answered right here. And trust me, from here on out, they did it right. Or at least we hope so. Two things about uh, offerings here to understand that flour or grain offerings, when we get to the law of Moses, when he finally puts this out, flour or grain offerings were an expression of thanksgiving and dedication to God. But any animal sacrifice offerings were atonement for sins. And I would like to suggest that Abel understood at the moment he was making his sacrifice that he was a sinner because of his daddy and mommy. And that sin was already part of his nature. I'm sure he experienced it. Cain certainly did because he killed him. Killed him out of jealousy. Oh gosh, this is the seven deadly sins, isn't it? Because he was jealous of Abel, he killed him. Both Cain and Abel were aware of sin because God explains it in verses 6 and 7 where he says, actually verse 7 in Genesis chapter 4, he says, sin is crouching at the door. You don't see anything after that verse that they turn to God and say, what is sin? I'm sure mom and dad taught it. We have no idea how old they are. You know, they could be 12, or there could be 112, or 412. Good Lord, they lived till 900 years. So we really have no idea how old Cain and Abel are at this time when this particular thing happened. But they're obviously old enough to understand what they were doing and whether it was right or wrong. 1 John chapter 3. I'm going to make you get nimble. 1 John chapter 3. I like to hear the rustling of pages. Verses 11 and 12 says, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So in case we didn't understand the story of Cain and Abel, God helped us out a little bit by re-explaining it to us. Because one was righteous and one was evil. Hebrews 9.22 says, And according to the law, one may also say all things are cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. This was made obvious in the Old Testament sacrificial system. We've gone over this, you and I, before. The Old Testament sacrificial system was meant to cover the sins of the people. That's why they had to keep doing it, because it didn't remove the sin, it just covered it. So that it couldn't be seen. And they had to constantly go back to the temple. Imagine how many animals got slaughtered in that place until the blood of Jesus. The ultimate sacrifice, the last sacrifice that was required because of the perfect blood of Jesus Christ that didn't just cover the sin, it took it out of here. It is gone. Just as if you never committed the sin. It's that far gone. When he says buried in the deepest sea, as far as the east is from the west, trust me, 
when you ask for forgiveness of your sins, that perfect blood of the Lamb of God has removed that sin, and for that one particular moment right there, you're sinless. Until I open my mouth and then it starts all over again. So you can imagine how many sacrifices they had to make because I'm doing this all the time. That's how we ask for forgiveness. So, lastly, Abel, Abel's offering provides us an example for Christian living. One of the things I love about this story, before I, I I'm sorry, I got to move on, but I got to say this. One of the things I love about this story is you never hear about Abel turning to Cain and go, what are you, nuts? <laughs> what are you trying to do here, man? I can see lightning coming. You know, this is, this is, no, but he didn't have lightning by then. Anyway, this, this is not a good thing. But he does, he never opens his mouth. He just does his business. What God had called him to do. Now, they went out into a field, right, and had a conversation. That's where Cain killed him, right? Do we know why he went out into the field to have a conversation? No. Scripture doesn't say anything about it. He just said they were in the field together and Cain killed him. Now, whether he went out there to say, dude, you know, you better wise up, or whether he just went out to say, hey, I love you, man, you're my brother. We don't know. All we do know is Abel was righteous. So hopefully the second one was what happened. We don't know. I just think it's neat that he went over to the field to talk to him. Just one of those things that runs through my head because my head goes very strange places sometimes. Okay, Hebrews 12. Sorry about that. Hebrews 12, 24. I'm going to kind of show how the offering of, of Abel provides us an example to be Christians, to act like Christians, and to live the Christian life. Hebrews 12, 24 says, And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. Now, some, some definitions here. I love definitions. Mediator is an intercessor or a reconciler. Okay, so it's not just somebody that sits in the middle between two parties and just says, hey, okay, you do this, you do this. No, he's actually going to reconcile the differences, which is what Jesus is for us. The contract is new, and this new contract is of the heart. It's your disposition. It's our nature. Therefore, it's better because it's renewed. Because we know that our inner nature becomes indwelt by the Spirit of God once we've trusted Christ. Therefore, we become better because we're renewed under this new covenant that he makes. Covenant is a contract or arrangement, a will or a testament. So we have the reconciler, bringing a new will or testament in our hearts. That's better than the old one. Because remember the Old Testament, right? That's where they're getting all these dead animals. The New Testament, we don't need that stuff no more because we got direct access to the king. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 12 to 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling those who have been defiled sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh? How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And this is how the blood of Christ was better than the blood of Abel. Because the blood of Abel 
When, when, when God went and talked to Cain and said, your brother's blood calls to me from the ground. It's calling for vengeance. But the blood of Christ, as it fell to the ground, brought salvation. Amen. Amen. And that's why it's better. Thank you for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. We'll continue with the second part of the message right after this. Hello, my name is Norberto Colon Jr. and I'm a ministry leader for the worship ministry at Commitment Church, a place for all nations. I would like to personally invite you to come to one of our events this month. For the latest events, you can visit commitmentchurch.org events. And if you and your family are looking for a church, we're here on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Thank you again for joining us for today's message from Commitment to Truth. We now return for the second half of our message. What's our call to action? What do we do with this information we now have? We see the faith of Abel. We see the, the, the qualified sacrifice that he made, the obedience that he showed to God. And we see the sin of Cain. Two opposites, right? So what does that do for us? How do we, we bring this about? First of all, we can't do anything with this information without Jesus Christ. So forgiveness must take place. There has to become a time in your life, a specific instant in your life when you recognize your sin, recognize the fact you can't do anything about it, and trust Christ as your Savior, the one who's going to remove that sin so that you can have access to God. A specific moment. It's not this general well, as I go through life, eventually I realize that there's a God, so I must be a Christian. Mm -mm. That's not what my Bible says. Amen. I was going to read a thousand verses on forgiveness, but it's all over Scripture, man. Just open it up. Romans chapter 3, Romans chapter 6, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 10, and we can just go on and on. It's all over there. But without forgiveness of sins, we don't have a Holy Spirit within us. We can't live by faith because our faith is in us and not in Him. With that forgiveness comes repentance. You can ask God to forgive you of your sins, but if you keep doing them again, what good is that? There's, there can't be any salvation because He never saved you because you never got there. You read the, the, the life of Christ, read the Gospels, and you will see over and over and over and over about repentance. And that's turning from your sin and going the opposite direction. Look, I know what my life was like before Christ. And it was bad. And I know that. But when I finally surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I was no longer that man. I was a new creation. And as a new creation, I'm going in a different direction. Because I'm not doing that stuff anymore. And as I, as I get closer to God, and I become more of His child, I learn to absolutely detest those things that I used to do. The glorious part about it is the shame that I felt from all that junk that I used to do, He's also removed from me. And He took it on the cross of Calvary. Shame on me if I don't believe that. Yeah. You know, when it, it, he tells us that we're supposed to forgive others as he forgives us. Well, those others is us. If you can't forgive yourself, you're stuck. Yeah. Thank you. That's right. 
right, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going off here. So repentance is an important part of our, of our relationship with God. And without it, we can't have one. Right? If we have unconfessed sin in our heart, he doesn't hear our prayers. David says in the Psalms. So if you don't think your prayers are getting through the, through the ceiling, you better take a look and find out why. Just saying. Now, after that repentance part comes a thing we call sanctification. Or progressive sanctification, however you want to look at those wonderful words that we like to use. But basically, it's the process of continuing to grow to become more like Christ. And it's an important thing to do. Um, not being sanctified, not becoming more like Christ, is like coming to church every Sunday because I have to, because it's going to make my wife happy, or my husband, or I just got to get away from him for a while. Uh, but not doing anything with the information you get when you walk out the door. I'm doing my duty. I got to be in church. So I'm going to go to church on Sunday. And I want to get my little license that says I've been to church. So I must be holy. And then you go home, get a beer, sit down, watch a football game, and not even care about what just happened an hour ago. That's missing sanctification. Okay. It's all part of the process. Because if you think about it, once your life has changed and you're walking in a new direction, all things become new. And old things are passed away. So if it's not new in your life, you may want to revisit the first part of forgiveness and repentance. Because you missed it. And if you missed it, you ain't there. I, 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 there's, there's a lot of things that have been written about the idea that in the pews of churches today, there are lots and lots of people who think they're saved in the ink. Because they've never truly experienced the indwelling Spirit of God. It ain't about works. Ask Cain. He figured it out the hard way. You can come to church a bazillion times. It's not going to do any good if it doesn't change your heart. So this is all the process. And if we expect to have lives of faith that exemplify the kingdom of heaven... We need to do these things. You know, it's, how do I say this? There's a reason why we have free will. Okay, when God created us with free will, he did it for a purpose. If we were all just a bunch of robots, and God said, love me, we go, yes, we will love you. Where's, where's his, his feeling? Where's his sense of being loved? Because you had to do it. Shucks, if my wife loved me because she had to, it would be an ugly relationship. But for some reason, she loves me for who I am. Poor girl. And that's what Christ demands of us. He gives us a choice. Folks, you are absolutely able to reject God. Don't fake it, just do it. If that's what you want. Because you've been created with a free will to make that choice. But if you choose God, man, you got to dive all in. Okay? You, you can't just put one foot towards God and just think that's it. There's no, no fence to straddle, no white line to stand on. Uh, you either is or you ain't. And if you is, do it all. Well, I, I, I did that in my life as a child. Saved at five, baptized at eight, rededicated my life at 12. Everything was growing great. At 17, God called me to be a pastor, and I went... 
and I was gone. And I spent 15 years of my life gone. And after failed marriages and rehabs and all the rest of the fun stuff, I finally said, you know what? I gotta give him everything. I have to completely and totally surrender my life to Christ. And that's when I learned sanctification. Because slowly but surely, he changed my heart. But you have to give it up. He's not going to come and take it from you. But I tell you what, if you ask the Holy Spirit of God to come in and take it, he'll take it. Because that's the only way it happens. If we're without the Spirit, we're, we're lost, right? It's the Holy Spirit of God that helps us to do those things that aren't natural. Like forgiving somebody that hurts you. That we're called to do. Can't do that on our own human strength. We need a holy God to do that for us. And that's where the Spirit of God comes in. And that's all the sanctification process. But this all happens because of what Abel did. Obedience. Timothy tells us that what is the will of God for you? But to obey. In Samuel it says to obey is better than sacrifice. I, 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 when I was a young believer, uh, I loved contemporary Christian music. And there was a guy named Keith Green who did a song that said, to obey is better than sacrifice. God don't want your money, he wants your life. And that really says it all. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. If those of you that are, remember Sunday school and memorizing the Psalms. Psalms 1, 1 and 2 says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. And you know me, I'm a freak on the word of God. If you want to know how to obey, you got to know what to obey. If you don't know the word of God, you're, you're, you're kind of like walking in the dark. And you're really not sure where you're going. You really need the word of God. James chapter 1. I told you I was going to move you all over. James chapter 1. Verses 22 to 25. It says, But prove yourselves doers of the word, and not merely hearers who delude themselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But he who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of liberty, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but an effectual doer, this man will be blessed in what he does. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Rain fell, floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house in the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You know, and a lot of times we look at that story, we, we think about building our house, but we forget that it's the act. We need to do something. 
We need to act. God gives us the tools, and he says, go to work. John chapter 15. I'm going to tell you what the work is. John chapter 15, verses 10 to 14. John 15, 10 to 14. It says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, the one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So even after we're believers, even after we're Christians, even after we're walking with Christ, there are moments when we're going to stumble and fall. And we need to get back up on our feet by asking for forgiveness and moving on. 1 John 1, 9. We need to obey the commandments of God. You want to be blessed? Joshua. I love to go all over the Bible. Joshua chapter 1. Sorry, I do this all the time. Joshua chapter 1. I have this actually stamped in the concrete in front of my old house. Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. This was said to Joshua by God just as he was entering. He was taken over from Moses and going to enter into the promised land. And he said, only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. You want to be a person that exemplifies the faith of God that shows the, work, the kingdom of heaven is here? And there's your answer right there. God has given us everything we need to live a Christian life. Everything is in this book. 100% truth. It's our, our owner's manual. And everything you need, everything you need for life is here. And if we're not in it, and we're not studying it, the word meditate here is the, I call it castigate. It's the cow in his cud. You chew it, you swallow it, you bring it back and you chew it again. And you swallow it, and you bring it back and you chew it again. Because that's the only way you can really understand the Word of God and give the Holy Spirit of God an opportunity to work in your life. You can't just read a verse and go, okay. <laughs> Now, I love devotionals. Don't misunderstand me. I have a couple of devotionals I do every day. Uh, but they're not really the depth of Scripture that you really need it to be. Because it's one verse. And then you listen to somebody else interpret it for you. And then half the time they're not interpreting that. They're talking about something else. The Holy Spirit of God is going to interpret the Scripture for you. So you need to read it. You need to put it down and walk away. Think about it. Come back. Read it again. 
Chuck's pick it up three or four times. Everybody's got a cell phone. Everybody should have a Bible app. If you don't, shame on you. And can keep reading. It was just the same verse. Because God's going to reveal to you what he needs you to know in a particular situation that you are in. Now you can't, don't misunderstand why I like devotionals. You can't just go, all right, I'm reading this today. Another sharpens wood. I mean, that's not how you read the Bible, okay? It has to have some sense and order. They laid it out in order for a reason. It's really cool. I suggest you start with the book of John. You want to learn about the love of Jesus? Read the book of John. You want to learn how to be a, a solid believer? Read 1 John, because he has a lot to say to believers. Then go to the book of James and be ashamed. <laughs> Just say it. Uh, because the book of James is loaded with practical Christian living, which really puts us all to shame. It really does. Okay, but man, we've got to be in the Word of God in order to be faithful to Him and in order to show people that the kingdom of heaven is here. It is here, and better than that is coming when that trumpet sounds. So I would encourage you folks, let's do it, man. Let's be the the people that that, that bring the house down. Okay, let's set a fire here that spreads for all over the place, and people are going to be shocked at what happens. Because Jesus is here. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. You lead and guide us throughout all of this, Father. We thank you for the life of Abel, who was faithful, was obedient, Father. We can teach us to not just be obedient, but be faithful to you. That when we trip and fall, we come back to you. And we ask for forgiveness, and we pick ourselves up, and we keep moving on for you. Father, let the word dwell in our hearts richly, so that we can give it to others. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you again for listening to our series, From Commitment to Truth the teaching ministry of Commitment Church, a place for all nations. If you want to listen to the previous messages in this series, or if you want to hear messages from other series, visit Commitment Church on YouTube or Pastor Cedric Brown on Spotify, Pandora, or other podcast providers. You can also visit us on our website, commitmentchurch.org. And if you live in the Philadelphia, Delaware, or South Jersey area, we would love to see you in person as well. You can attend any of our services by visiting us at 2 Berlin Road South, Lindenwald, New Jersey, 08021. Thank you again for listening, and have a blessed and wonderful day.